You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Bama Online Podcast. This one on a Sunday night, August the 15th, 2021. Travis Ryder, Senior Analyst for BamaOnline.com, joined by Senior Team Reporter Charlie Potter. Charlie, it's a Sunday night. You a big Sunday night dinner guy? You, growing up, were you were you were you folks uh, Sunday night dinner folks? Sit down, have a traditional Sunday dinner. How how did that work? How does it work today for Charlie Potter? We weren't really uh, growing up. We were always you know you'd go and um, eat out somewhere uh, after church. You know that was big. Um, we would usually have a, a weeknight where we would uh, always go over to my grandmother's house and she would cook dinner, and mm-hmm. those were the best dinners. Um, what did and grandma it, do the best? What was grandma's specialty? Because every grandma has got that Sunday night or Sunday lunch type thing in the South, especially that is just the cats. What was it for, for grandma? Uh, my granny's best dish to me was her cabbage. And oh, you know, wow. she'd always mix it up with, you know, the meats and, and the sides, but I would always kind of, you know, yeah. yeah. You know, I mean, she was good at pot roast, um, barbecue chicken, all that. Um, but the the cabbage is still – I haven't had cabbage as good since. And uh, that and her, her sweet tea. I mean, I know those are those aren't probably headliners like you were expecting. But, but you're right about sweet tea. Everybody thinks uh, sweet tea is uniform, but I promise you everyone's grandma uh, had a different sort of taste to it. I promise you that because I, yeah, I say I, the same thing about my late grandmother. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think she ever measured it, but it always tastes exactly the same. And uh, yeah, and we would I mean, my mom would cook and you know, her meals are always great. It was never very uniform though. We mostly uh you know, we'd eat dinner at home. Um and like I said, I mean, I guess traditionally we would just go out to eat somewhere after church. That was I guess that was our big thing. My maternal grandmother, the late Janelle D. Dumas, uh from Walker County, Alabama, Jasper right there she could do the country style steak i guess in some parts of the country they call it chicken fried steak you know Mm -hmm. but it was the country style steak that she would do with the mashed potatoes and the gravy and the fresh green beans maybe some shucked cream corn to go with that and then the cast iron skillet cornbread on the side there Yeah, yeah 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 you know where i'm at yeah i mean cornbread um my granny was good at uh, fried potatoes. I, I loved those growing mm-hmm. up. Um, like you said, cream corn. Now I'm getting hungry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what our listeners are hungry for? They're hungry for some scrimmage talk following the Crimson Tide's first scrimmage of fall camp 2021. The first two consecutive Saturdays, those scrimmages are set for here uh, this weekend and then next weekend. And so, Charlie, uh, we know you had some nuggets. Speaking of being hungry, we're just going to tie this whole thing, I think, into food. <laughs> um, we need a Chick-fil-A sponsor, by the way, for the nuggets, I think. But 
Uh, the Nuggets on the round table, always wildly popular, always good stuff post-scrimmage uh, within those Nuggets. But always important, too, right, to talk about context when we talk about scrimmage work because there's situational work, there's things to be considered as in was it good versus good at certain points in the scrimmage, ones versus twos, vice versa. Always have to sort of point out to minute, third downs, context, right? That's what we don't get as a result of not being there, I guess, as much as anything else. Yeah, and I mean, uh, it helps when you you have someone that's relaying you this information that, that knows football because it could, you're right, just in the situational terms, it get a little confusing, get a little gray. But um, yeah, I mean, it is important, I, I think, not to overreact to some things because, and, and that's one of the reasons I don't really do the, the passing uh, you know, just in terms of, you know, attempts to, uh, to completions, just because you don't know exactly when those were. So I, I like to do touchdowns, big plays, turnovers, of course. And I made sure to note that one of Bryce Young's touchdowns was in the two minute drill. And it was a, a touchdown pass to Trey Sanders, who I, I know this isn't what we're talking about, but it's just good to see Trey Sanders back out there. Um, I, I know going uh, third and long, like you said, I think it was ones on ones and that first team defense did a good job. And, you know, some of that has to do with, again, context wise, the, the fact that Alabama was missing uh, three offensive linemen, either for the whole scrimmage or for part of it. But um, I, I don't think it should come as any surprise that the, the first team defense is a little bit ahead, given how much it returns. And then, um, you know, for the for the twos, it sounds like Paul Tyson did a pretty good job. And those third and long situations converted some of those. And I think, you know, he steadily had a, a good offseason. I think that's worth mentioning. It's, it's clear that Bryce is going to be the starter against Miami. Uh, Nick Saban hasn't said that. But, I mean, the guys dominated the first team reps. He did so on Saturday. But, um, you know, the second team offense you know, did some good things. And uh, I just think overall, you know, it, it was about what you would expect. Again, the, the defense um, really shined. Uh, it was a situation where, um, you know, they were going up against a depleted offensive line from teams one through three, because with three starters, uh, out, you have guys coming from the twos up to the ones and vice versa. So kind of a patchwork there, but I think all in all, um, it doesn't sound like there are any real significant injuries. That's a plus. Uh, it sounds like you know, some guys did some good things and, you know, they, they can you know now go and take the film and assess that and see what they want to do for this second scrimmage, which will be its real last tune-up before the first game. Yeah, we heard Nick Saban post-scrimmage talk about the challenge it was for this team to push through the weather, uh, as you expect this time of year, but just the day-in and day-out grind of fall camp. That was a pretty elongated stretch that they went through and capped with that scrimmage on Saturday. So I'm sure from a coaching perspective, those guys are very interested to see which of the players with an emphasis, maybe more on some of the young players were able to break through that wall and still perform at a high level during Saturday scrimmage. And we'll talk about some of those guys that did just that coming up as we get into some offensive and defensive talk here. But you said it, availability, a big part of this, too, when you're talking about context. You talked about the offensive line. Uh, you noted Evan Neal and Chris Owens uh, and then Kendall Randolph during uh, the process of the scrimmage goes out with an injury as well. Um, but offensive standouts, 
areas of competition on that side of the ball. Did we come out of Saturday with any more clarity maybe when it comes to right tackle? Because you did have to apparently move Kendall Randolph over to the left side. Uh, you know, J.C. Latham obviously in that mix. Damian George in that mix at right tackle. And then you know playmakers at the wide receiver position. Maybe a guy or two that stood out there. I will say before getting into that, you talked about the the hard week of practice, and it was it was it was a long week not only for the team. We had a ton of interviews. They were doing something every day, and Friday's practice was you know they don't really do two a days anymore, but but that's what it was. They had a walk through Friday morning, and correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but I don't remember Alabama having a night practice before a scrimmage, and maybe they they've had one, but this one sounds like it was a hard practice where they ran. A lot of plays, maybe close to 100 plays. And then we know in the scrimmage they ran roughly 160. So, yeah, it, it was challenging for those guys. And I think that needs to be you know, kept in mind. But you know, offensively, um, you know, Evan Neal and, and Chris Owens, they didn't scrimmage. They were uh, off on the side on stationary bikes. So you know, that led to, to Kendall Randolph uh, looking or getting some reps at, at left tackle with the ones. You had Darian Dalcourt stepping up at center. And then J.C. Latham, um, you know, starting out, got some reps with the ones at right tackle. Sounds like uh, Damian George did as well. And then whenever uh, Randolph went out with that sprained ankle, uh, a guy in Amari Kite, who's been that second team left tackle, stepped up too. So again, it's a it's a patchwork offensive line, and um, you know it doesn't sound like it's something super serious for um, Kendall Randolph. But this is one of those situations where you might look back on it, and now the the doors open for a guy like J.C. Latham to seize that opportunity. Uh, a guy that came in as the nation's top overall tackle uh, in the 2021 class, and a, a guy that a lot of people believe can be. Um, you know, the future uh, on the offensive line, at least in one of the tackle positions. And you know, he's a guy that you know, saw uh, a lot of reps in the in the spring, whether it was with the twos, maybe a few of the ones. And now he got a scrimmage with the ones. And if Kendall Randolph is you know missing uh, a lot of time, maybe this is the opportunity for him to, to take a, a starting role and, and, and hold on to it. So I think that's something to, to watch moving forward. I don't think the competition at right tackle is over. Uh, I think a healthy Kendall Randolph, um, you know, Nick Saban had glowing things to say about him and his experience. I think we've agreed and we've said ad nauseum now on this podcast that if, if Alabama played a game tomorrow, that Kendall Randolph, if healthy, would be the starter. And I, I think that remains the case. But that's something to watch moving forward is just his availability and what that means for opportunities for Latham. And then, you know, I think wide receiver, again, it's it's a position that I've really had circled all off season long. And. And we know that uh, JoJo Earl caught a touchdown pass from Bryce Young. Um, you know, that's that's a big one, um, given that he's getting some reps with the, the first team. Um, you know, Cam Latou caught another one. I think that, that closes out the, the touchdowns for Bryce that we've talked about. And, you know, we, we know what John Mechie brings to the table, um, you know, going into that scrimmage, um, coming off of that practice that I was talking about continue to hear really good things about Jamison Williams. It it might be a situation where it's going to be tough for him not to be in that starting lineup just the way that he's played. We talked I about think. that a couple of weeks ago, right? And we pondered that that possibility, and, and it still seemed a little bit maybe far-fetched at the time, but based on the buzz now with Jamison Williams, I guess it, it, it's seeming more and more like a possibility. I think so, yeah. I mean, um I think that, you know, Mechie's obviously, you know, locked himself into a starting position and, you know, the coaches trust what Slade Bolden brings to the table. But, 
Jameson Williams is a guy that could be um, a big uh, impact maker on this offense from a, a speed standpoint. And you know, it, it sounds like he did some good things in the scrimmage. Um, you know, of course, we don't have you know full stats or anything like that, but. You know, he and uh, JoJo Earl, um, I think Ja'Cory Brooks made some plays at, at wide receiver. Uh, I think from a first-team perspective, the guys that are there in the mix are Mechie and uh, Williams and Baker, um, Holden, Bolden, you know, the young guys in the slot. Um, I haven't heard much of a Jai Hall lately. Um, it, you know, that's that's a situation where they're just trying some some different guys. Maybe he's working with the twos, working with the threes, but haven't heard as much from him since the preseason. But wide receiver, there's there's more options than there were, um, you know, when we were talking about this in spring practice. So I, I think that's um, a position group that's evolving. And then you know, mentioning Trey Sanders, I think he had a good scrimmage. And, um, you know, I think with the, the running backs, you know, didn't hear just a ton from them. But to hear that Trey Sanders, one, was available and participating, but two, was a factor not only in the run game, but in the passing game, catching a, a touchdown pass from Bryce Young, that, that's encouraging news. You know, because these scrimmages become so situational with different aspects of the game being emphasized, a lot of times they turn into a good bit of throwing the football around, right? And so with that, yeah, it's probably not as much of a surprise not to hear about backs going for 80, 90, 100 yards in a scrimmage because when you're working two-minute and you're working third and long and those type of situations, typically that involves throwing the football. Uh, so you kind of understand that. But you talk about Jamison Williams. I just think that Nick Saban, Bill O'Brien, the staff, they're not going to allow themselves to go into the season – without enough in the way of outside speed simply because that allows defenses to dictate to them. Okay. You're going to put Mechie out here with a couple of guys that frankly don't really scare us in terms of their vertical capabilities. We're going to go ahead and sink that extra safety in the box and figure you're just going to try to pound us with Brian Robinson or Trey Sanders or, uh, Jason McClellan, whoever it is, with that offensive line and the run game and uh, just gives them more to defend, right? I mean, when you've got that, I mean, we saw it the last three years, four years. I mean, there hasn't ever been a, a better example of that. But um, Trey Sanders, I thought, Charlie, just hearing that he did as much as he did, let alone was very successful, apparently, in doing some of it, that was some of the best news to come from the scrimmage, right? It was. Yeah. I mean, just from, um, you know, you, you don't have a, a rooting interest, but with guys that have been dealing with injuries, you want to see them do well. Like I would like to see LeBron Ray be able to get on the field just because of the things that he's gone through. And, and Trey Sanders is the same way, whether it's dealing with that foot injury a couple of years ago. And then obviously what happened with the accident, his hip injury last year, it, it's very uh, encouraging to see him out there. And, and with Jameis Williams, I know we've, we've talked a lot about him, but I was talking with someone the other day and, you know, Alabama obviously, as everyone knows, added a couple of power five transfers in Henry Toa Toa and uh, Jamison Williams. But Toa Toa feels like a luxury because Alabama's linebacking core is one of the deepest in the country, whether inside, outside, combine the two, however you want to look at it. But Jamison Williams feels like a necessity because you go back to what Nick Saban said in the spring, talking about that speed that you mentioned, um, you know, and he said that they, they need that. They're right now, 
Uh, they don't have a first round wide receiver on the, the roster. And that was with John Mechie, obviously sidelined. Uh, and he said that he could possibly be that, but he doesn't see that because you know, they, they didn't have that top end speed that they've had. And it's tough to replace guys like Ruggs and Judy and, and Smitty and Waddle when it comes to that department. But, you know, adding a guy like Jameis Williams, you know, that adds a new dynamic to this offense to where you, know, you don't have just Mechie, some guys trying to get comfortable, uh, a couple tight ends and some running backs. I think that's big for this offense. It's big for Bryce Young. It's really big for everybody. Yeah, I think it's on point to what you had to say about J.C. Latham in connection with this injury. We still don't know if it's severe. Hopefully it is not. To Kendall Randolph, I'm sure we'll find out here in the next few days. But that could provide him with the sort of opening that he might need to jump into that first five at right tackle. That being said, Kendall Randolph working at left tackle with Evan Neal on the sideline Saturday just underscores to me anyway how much trust this staff has in Kendall Randolph because if you're going to take him and move him over to that left side with the ones that tells me he's very much your second tackle right now uh, depending on the scenario and uh, you know maybe maybe Kendall Randolph's being sold short a little bit but but at the same time uh, I guess what we're going to take from this too is this this competition at right tackle might still extend into the season. Yeah, I mean, again, Nick Saban, you could tell um, that he's maybe more valued inside that locker room than he is from a, a national perspective. And he called him the jack of all trades. He, he probably can't play center, but he can play guard. He can play tackle. He's been that pseudo tight end for them. And uh, he said he's he's worked at all those positions in camp, even though we've consistently seen him uh, at ride tackle with the first group. It, it sounds like they've you know felt comfortable moving him around to maybe give guys like Latham or you know Damian George some run. So um, that that's big. That versatility, that experience, that knowledge. Um, I think the big takeaway for me whenever Nick Saban is talking about Kendall Randolph is you know, he said he's really a key to the development of this offensive line because of this experience. And it is a group that you do return Neil and, and Ekior and Chris Owens. But to have a guy there to the pivotal position and replacing some of the guys they had to, uh, it, Kendall Randolph is a, a big piece of this and it's becoming more apparent. Uh, as the preseason goes on and, and how much he's viewed inside that locker room. You know, it's it's hard to sort of sometimes remember some of the guys that have played right tackle in the Saban era that weren't high draft choices because we talked about on the podcast here recently, you can almost refer to Alabama now as offensive tackle you with the run of first rounders uh, since really 2009 with Andre Smith starting that. But, you know, they've had Drew Davis um, they've had Austin Shepard. They've had really solid right tackles in the past. And they've won a lot of football games with guys that weren't necessarily high round picks. Now we'll see how it goes, but, uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. Hopefully again, Kendall recovers here pretty quickly and we see him back out on the practice field in very short order. We're going to take a break here on the Bama online podcast. When we come back with Charlie Potter, we'll talk about the defensive side of the ball, maybe even some punting. Some interesting <laughs> comments from Nick Saban on that following Saturday scrimmage. That and more, Travis Ryer, along with Charlie Potter. More of the Bama Online Podcast right after this. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Back with more of the Bama Online Podcast. Travis Ryer alongside Charlie Potter as we review the buzz from Saturday's scrimmage work at the University of Alabama. The 2021 Crimson Tide ramping up for that season opener against the Miami Hurricanes on September the 4th at Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. Charlie, again, you said it earlier in the podcast, not a huge surprise to hear that the area of this football team that most consider as the clear-cut strength for this next team kind of had its way in a lot of ways once again on Saturday at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Anytime Will Anderson's out there, anytime Christian Harris, now Henry Toa Toa for crying out loud, you add to that mix. And even with some issues that they've had up front in terms of availability on that defensive line, still a, a tough, tough front seven to deal with. It is, yeah. And you know, I, I think that the Will Anderson and Chris Allen are, are getting close to that Tim Williams uh, benchmark <laughs> where yeah, they practices. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think it might have been either the 8A game or, you know, word from a scrimmage where he was just, you know, telling them to, to get him off the field so they could run plays. So, uh, it, it, yeah, it's no surprise to to hear that those guys are, are playing well. And it, it does help that you are having to deal with, um, you know, some guys that you're probably not usually facing on that offensive line. But um, just the the fact that the the starting four and then the, the, the four linebackers of the first team defense were – Anderson, Allen, uh, Christian Harris, and Henry Toa Toa. So a little bit of good a rebuild there. Yeah. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, just continuing to hear good things about them. Um, you know, with the twos, you had Jalen Moody and, and Deontay Lawson, the true freshman. Uh, when we were out at practice on Thursday, that was the last media viewing period. We didn't see Shane Lee, but uh, he's been in a black jersey. Um, Alabama you know, sent out a picture. I think it was Friday night. And he and DJ Dale were both in black. So couple of guys that have been banged up to go along with players like uh, LeBron Ray, uh, Braylon Ingram, you know, a couple of those guys that, that weren't uh, out there. But, yeah, I think the, the defense as a whole uh, played well. Um, you know, again, we were talking about third and long. that The first team offense struggled going against the ones uh, there. Um, I think it goes back to the offensive line to where, um, you know, there were multiple sacks for each defense. Uh, I think every – scholarship quarterback was sacked at least five times at least that's what i was told so and again that you have to take that in the context of these quarterbacks have on black jerseys so at, at that rate they just have to touch them so um still though it, it shows that the pass rush was pretty effective and pretty consistent but um you know we had some uh turnovers you you look at some young guys making plays jacques robinson picked off jalen milrow uh, terry and arnold yeah, yeah. Terry and Arnold picked off uh, Bryce Young, and uh, it looked like, uh, judging from the pictures, that John Mechie saved another uh, big return there. He didn't force a fumble, but he made a tackle. And then uh, Christian Story made a, a tackle near the goal line. It was a two-minute situation where the twos uh, were, were driving. Paul Tyson had them in good position, and I don't really remember the running back. I don't think it was a scholarship guy, but 
the Christian story came out of nowhere and just uh, laid the lumber to him and forced a fumble and the, the defense recovered. So um, all in all, I mean, judging from what happened, I think Kool-Aid McKinstry was out there and he's a guy that kind of looked a little limited when we were last at practice. So that's good news. And uh, again, though, it shouldn't come as much of a surprise to hear that this defense is a little bit of a head and performing well, considering how much they return. Yeah. When a pass rush is wrecking as much havoc as that, it makes it tough on the offense in every way. I mean, first and foremost, if you can't protect the quarterback, it's it's a uh, it's a tough tough road. But also, in terms of trying to evaluate wide receivers, I mean, wide receivers on this team are already working against really good defensive backs. But with this pass rush, it sounds like it's probably difficult to get routes going, you know, that require any kind of time because the pass rush is so impactful uh, going against that passing game for Alabama. But, you know, I think something I took from kind of hearing things and, and, and your nuggets and, you know, the practice updates from the last week is we talk so much about the competition really at that one corner opposite Josh show, but some of the things you just outlined for us, some really good news is that it sounds like legit depth in the secondary is being built with this team right now. Oh yeah, no doubt. Um, you know, the, for the most part, the, the first in corners have been Josh Job and uh, Jalen Armour Davis. Uh, I made note of it Thursday when we were out of practice that I saw um, Brian Branch working with the corners, which was interesting because you go out there, you make sure everyone's there and you see what's out of place. And he wasn't working with the safeties. He was working with the corners. And it sounds like in Thursday's practice, uh, he got some some reps, not a lot, but some reps with that that first team defense on the boundary. So you know, he's a guy that has had a great camp, and you know could be a factor at any of the defensive back positions. Uh, but you know, for the most part, it's been Job and, and Jalen Armour Davis. Uh, you know, we've heard you know great things about Kool Aid, and, and early on in camp, it sounded like Kool Aid was really locked in on one of those uh, second team spots, and there was more of a rotation at the other with guys like Marcus Banks. Uh, who's an older guy now, uh, a couple of newcomers in uh, Kyrie Jackson, I think Terry and Arnold. And we mentioned in Arnold's a guy that, um, you know, picked off a pass, but yeah, I think depth at corner, especially is in a good spot right now. And I think the same can be said for safety. You know, obviously you have, uh, you know, Jordan battle back DeMarco Helms looks like he's going to be a starter. Daniel Wright has first team experience. And, you know, you mentioned, Malachi Moore and Brian Branch there as guys, even though they've been playing more in the slot. Uh, Christian Story uh, did some good things. And I, I just think that the secondary you know, last year, it was the talk of having to replace every single starter, but Patrick Sertan. And now this offseason, you only have to replace Patrick Sertan, which, I mean, judging by how he played in his preseason debut, that's a tall task. But again, that cornerback depth has been impressive. And um, I just find it fascinating that, they're giving a guy like Brian Branch a look there and, and even adding to that depth, which has been, um, you know, really good so far this offseason. The buzz that surrounded Kool-Aid McKinstry in the spring and going into the summer, has it been rivaled to this point of fall camp by what's being said about Terry and Arnold? It was a summer enrollee. I mean, it's a, it's a good problem to have either way. I mean, you think about this is, Kool-Aid McKinstry, if it doesn't happen this year for him, 
and Terry and Arnold, if it doesn't happen for him this year, think about those two dudes as your future corners or just two guys in your secondary in general. Yeah, I, I don't know if it's the same uh, as the spring because I think I think uh, Kool Aid had a good scrimmage. Um, you know, we saw uh, in the highlights that Alabama put out the the one handed catch by Javon Baker, but but Kool Aid was all over him. He was in great position. It was mm-hmm. just a um, kind of behind the shoulder throw that he reached back and, and pulled in with one hand. Not much a defensive back can do there. Uh, so I think he had a good scrimmage, but uh, again, he's a guy that going back to Monday's practice viewing period. Um, I, he, I don't know if he was doing much. He wasn't doing much when we were out there Thursday. So it could be a situation where Kool-Aid's a little banged up. Uh, and you know, Terry Arnold's done some good things and I I think he had a good scrimmage. Uh, I don't know if he's in this spot necessarily to make a move at corner at this point. Um, so I, I, I think like you said, though, it's a good problem to have, to have these young guys, doing good things in, in preseason camp, not only for this season, but the two guys that could possibly be your starting corners in game one are both seniors or the true senior and a redshirt senior. So they're, they'll most likely be gone after this season. And so you, you got to get ready for the future. I mean, Nick Saban, I'm sure is well aware of that. And Alabama is recruiting a lot of top tier corners, but if you can get Kool-Aid and, and Terry and Arnold to, you know, continue to develop, to, to play a lot, to be on special teams, to, to get in the game when they can, that, that'll be big for this season, no doubt. It does sound like, though, that the three corners, Kool-Aid, Arnold, and Kyrie Jackson, have been as built in terms yes. of their recruitment. And, again, thinking about not even so much this year if it happens great, but thinking about 2022 and beyond – uh, with those guys potentially, that's that's a trio that it sounds like they got it pretty pretty much right with those three guys to this point anyway. How about we talk about some of the punting game because <laughs> Nick Saban had a pretty hilarious response uh, to that situation following Saturday scrimmage, and it does sound like there's plenty of competition there. The quest to replace J.K. Scott, man, it is literally Charlie taking Alabama halfway around the world, the quest to replace J.K. Scott, it sounds like. Yeah, I mean, first of all, Nick Saban was very matter-of-fact in a lot of his answers to, uh, in his virtual press conference Saturday. I think the first question he got, a reporter slipped up and, and talked about how this would be uh, Bill O'Brien's first chance to, to coach the offense, and he was quick to remind him about the spring. And then um, you know, when someone asked about James Burnett, the, the Australian punter, uh, having never uh, punted in a game before, he was quick to point out, well, he's punted before. Um, you know, <laughs> he was, he wanted to make sure that was um, you know something that people knew. But the the money quote was, uh, "We're not asking him to play football; we're asking him to punt it." Oh, and, uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's some special teams purists out there. Punters that, are people too, yeah. Nick. <laughs> I, I mean, sensitivity training on that. <laughs> It was a great line. He's had some zingers, though, when it comes to punters. Um, you know, he, he's not one to really hype up players all that much, but I'll never forget. It was one of it's one of my first seasons covering the team, and uh, it was J.K. Scott when he got on campus, and somebody asked about J.K. And um, the fact that he was, you know, looking to carve out a first-team role, and I think his response was, well, have you seen him kick? I mean, if, if you had seen what I'm seeing, <laughs> 
he would be doing the same thing. So uh, he does have some some funny liners when it comes to the punters. But you know, he, he talked about punting back at SEC Media Days, and you're bringing in guys because you know, the the position hasn't been quite up to snuff uh, the last few seasons. So you bring in Burnup, you bring in Jack Martin from Troy, which trying to explain that with the Jack Martin leaving <laughs> South Alabama has been uh, taking years off my life on the message board, but. Uh, it does sound like what you said. They do have some some healthy competition there, and um, whether it's the the two new guys, it sounds like both of them punted yesterday. Uh, Ty P. Ryan also a returning guy, so that's three guys in the mix. Uh, it sounds like Jack Martin also kicked some field goals. I don't think he's in a situation to come in and take Will Reichert's job, but you know they have that in their back pocket if something you know were to happen to to Reichert, or uh, maybe he's a guy that handles kickoffs last year or next year because we saw a guy like Chase Allen uh, do that last year. So, um, you know, it's a, it's a position where they're going to have a new starter with Charlie Scott moving on. Uh, they're going to have a new starter at long snapper. They're going to have a new holder. Uh, special teams is going to look a little different this fall, but you know, it's good to know that they're not going to be sending out the Australian punter to, you know, cover wide receivers that he's going to only stick to punting. <laughs> They only had two games in which they punted more than three times last year. And they didn't have a game, Alabama didn't, in 2020, where they punted more than four. So you look at this team and sort of its makeup, at least going into the season, right? I guess Miami, you could see this team punt more than four times. So there is an increased, a heightened importance, I think, where that position is concerned not even just because of the opener being or expected to be a challenge, but you know how this team might proceed through the early stages as at least of the 2021 season. And I like Jack Martin because he gives you the value that you outlined there. You know, you don't like to bring in five or six punters and kickers in fall camp. Believe it or not, those those spots are kind of precious for your fall camp roster. But with Martin able to do placements and punt, uh, there's some nice value there with him, I think, especially as a guy who came in as a non-scholarship player. Hey, Charlie, you know what's been uh, been a hot topic of conversation here in the last week or two is NFL preseason. I mean, we did essentially an entire podcast on it, talking about Alabama guys in the NFL. You do such a great job for us at BOL keeping up with all those guys. I think you noted that there's – 80 former Alabama players in NFL training camps and saw a lot of them over the weekend, man. Uh, Mac Jones impressing in his debut with the New England Patriots. I watched some of Tua on Saturday, 9 of 11. He did throw the pick in the red zone. Tua, traditionally, he likes to go for it a little bit down there inside the twenty. But he averaged nine yards per attempt. I thought that was a real positive for him and the Dolphins. But plenty of Alabama guys to keep up with here in the last few days. And even NBA guys these days. Good for Alabama men's hoops. I see where the official account for Twitter account for Alabama men's hoops is making sure we know exactly when Josh Primo's playing in summer league. and Herb Jones and Kyra Lewis now teammates with the New Orleans Pelicans. Yeah, it's uh, it's an exciting time for for pro sports in terms of just Alabama players and the NBA and NFL and 
Yeah, we're back to that old weekly roundup of how Alabama players uh, performed, and uh, it's extensive right now. I, you're you're not going to see many weeks where you have um, stats on all four quarterbacks, and that's the the three young guys and and Mac Jones and Tua and Jalen Hurts, but AJ McCarron getting the start for the Atlanta Falcons. So. Uh, a rarity there. You had a lot of guys that didn't play. I mean, it's the first week of the preseason. You're not going to see a lot from Derrick Henry and Julio Jones and some of these guys that are more established. But um, you know, it was a it was an eventful weekend. We saw. I, I don't think if you had asked me uh, the last time we recorded a podcast if I could pick two players to score touchdowns, if I would have picked the two that did that being uh, Miller Forstall and, and Patrick Sertan. But good for those guys. I mean, Miller Forstall is a guy that. When undrafted, you know he's going to be fighting for a roster spot, and uh, he caught three passes in that uh, game against the Falcons. So going back mm-hmm. to his home state of Georgia, scoring a touchdown, that's a really cool moment for him and his family. And then Patrick Sertan, man, I know he's not necessarily going against stiff competition, uh, but he's consistent. He's shutting people down, and he continues to, to earn rave reviews in camp. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll have a roundup of how all these guys did in the week one of the preseason up in the morning on the website, but – yeah, it's uh, it feels like football season when we're talking about a scrimmage, when we're watching preseason football, and what the the opener's twenty days away now. It's, it's yeah, we know it. Sertan and Judy in Denver have just been the talk out there. It sounds like, and Mac Wilson against our Jacksonville Jaguars Saturday night, I believe, a shoulder injury. So uh, hopefully Mac's okay, but you always worry about injuries and in camps and especially when they involve guys that may or may not be fighting for roster spots. But uh, Charlie's got us covered. He's always got us covered with the NFL guys from Alabama, and you'll be on the lookout for that here during the early stages of the upcoming week. And once again, Charlie, a busy week of fall camp as we get ready for scrimmage number two. And as we've talked about in the past, and you said it earlier on the podcast, they won't totally streamlined sort of roles at this point in camp but coming out of that second scrimmage you're going to have a pretty good feel in a lot of ways of how roles are going to be handled at least to start the season and you know guys that are in prime position to make big big impacts yeah i mean just looking at the schedule for this week um you know we're supposed to have practice viewing tomorrow which i I don't know if you can hear it through the the recording but it's currently storming in tuscaloosa so we might not get that with the rain but that's something that you know that after that first scrimmage just seeing if there's any changes is something i always keep an eye out for um usually after that first or second scrimmage you might immediately go to the offensive line because that might be a, a change that we see typically um, you know, I don't expect to see many changes uh, at linebacker positions like that. But you're looking at right tackle, looking at uh, the wide receiving core, looking at the secondary. Um, you know, that'll be where my eyes look just to see if you know this scrimmage had any impact. Of course, you know the availability of those offensive linemen that uh, you know didn't go through the scrimmage and some of the guys that we mentioned. But you know, it could be a, a a day of some some notable changes. I'm not predicting that, but. Uh, you never know. I think that's the, the the benefit of having a viewing period the day or days after um, the first scrimmage, and you know that'll be interesting to see how it plays out. Absolutely, and you need to be with us at BamaOnline.com as we keep you covered throughout Fall Camp 2021 with all the updates from over there off Bryant Drive, and of course 
scrimmage work at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Charlie Potter, always a great job for us at BOL. Always a great job here on the Bama Online Podcast. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, well, now's the best time. Now's the best time to subscribe to BOL, the podcast. Couldn't be a better time to do it. We hope you'll join us as we move forward through the 2021 college football season. Charlie, thanks again, my friend. No problem, man. We went through a podcast about talking about the Braves, and they won, so it was a good well, day. that's what we're trying not to do, Charlie. <laughs> we're trying not – we've jinxed the Braves in the past. That's well documented. I was trying to get through it, but, you know, Charlie, Charlie had his own deal in mind. <sighs> thanks, Charlie. We do no appreciate problem. it. That's what I'm doing. All right. <laughs> I want some of grandma's cooking now, you know, after that opening, uh, I'm hungry. I think maybe I'll have to go see if I can whip up some of that cast iron skillet, buttermilk cornbread for Charlie Potter, Travis Dreyer. Thanking you once again for joining us right here on the BOL podcast. We'll talk to you again real soon. What if I told you imaginary friends are real? This is just so exciting. This Friday, get ready for the movie event with the greatest cast you've ever imagined. Showtime. Ryan Reynolds, John Krasinski, Kaylee Fleming, Fiona Shaw, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Louis Gossett Jr., Matt Damon, Emily Blunt, George Clooney, Maya Rudolph, Bradley Cooper, Sebastian Maniscalco, John Stewart, Sam Rockwell, Aquafina, Keegan-Michael Key, and Steve Carell. I need to throw up or I need a snack. It's one of the two. Gross. If. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Written and directed by John Krasinski.